Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining the channel and thanks for joining our localization chat this morning. I am um, uh, honored and uh, um, I have the pleasure to be joined by uh, a, um, uh, an individual who is a reputation precedes him. He's been in the industry for many years. He's a pioneer, I consider a pioneer in the Canadian language industry, um, Vlad Fox uh, from Fox Translations in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, welcome to uh, the episode, Vlad. Uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you. I wanted to do this since the beginning. I always look for uh, opportunity to have conversations with individuals that pioneered, that built something, that built a company, that constructed um, a, uh, a business in this industry. We know how tough it is. And for people to survive and to prosper in this industry, I, I love to have those conversations from a learning perspective, A, and get to know you as, as an individual. Uh, so welcome to the show one more time and glad to have you with us. And it's a, and again, it's a casual conversation. We did not prepare any PowerPoints just to, for the knowledge of everybody else. Right. Uh, we did not prepare any PowerPoints. This is a coffee conversation on Friday morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too, uh, too early for some of the folks watching us. So thanks again, uh, Vlad. If you don't mind, uh, Vlad, for the audience, uh, for the uh, viewers, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me your story. Um, tell us your story. How did you um, build, you know, Fox Translations? Where did you, how did you get the idea? Where did you start from? And I know from your education, you had studied linguistics, so I don't want to take your thunder here. Just, uh, if you don't mind, just launch into it. So, good morning, and thank you very much. It's an honor for me to to be invited and to be part of, part of the chat. I really appreciate it. Um, so, Vlad Fogg is my name. Um, I came to Canada uh, in 1990 as a refugee from that time, former Czechoslovakia, and with a, with a young family. I had two small children, and I had no idea what am I going to do, how I'm going to feed them. So I was looking for a job. I did lots of casual jobs, like everybody else, every newcomer, or most of newcomers. And then I had the opportunity. Well, I studied uh, languages in, in Czechoslovakia and linguistics. So I was, I was always looking that direction. Um, I got the I heard about the Translation Bureau, the unique organization in, in, in Canada, right? Um, Canadian government. And so I, I looked there and uh, there was a great opportunity for me to translate uh, a Quebec civil code into Czech language. Uh, Czechoslovakia at that time was uh, developing the democratic institution and looked to Canada for the, to, for help, so for six months I was working on the on the Quebec civil civil code translating into into Czech. Uh, one day the contract ended, and I was again, what am I going to do? So I saw I sat in that huge office in the Bureau de la Traducción in uh, in Portage Four here in mm -hmm. Gatineau, yeah. and uh, I saw there's so many translators there. Most of them translated to English or to French. Right, so I slowly I learned about the Official Languages Act, the the very important law in Canada, uh, uh, responding to the uh, or building part of the official bilingualism, and I saw wow there is a business there, so perhaps uh, there is not very much to Czech or to Slovak my my mother tongues, but there might there's lots of business seems to be into official languages and other languages for that matter I didn't know very much about it at that time, so. Long story short, I started to look into this and uh, I, I found, a, I met someone who said, well, you can 
perhaps uh, try to subcontracting translators. And uh, I met somebody in Statistics Canada, they gave me a small contract and I met a French translator. We started translating. This was before we know anything about technology, about the quality, about the very peculiar nature of the French language and the English language in what, what the government of Canada knows. And what the, the, the incredible expectation of the Canadian government and how, how deeply they know what they want. So, um, so slowly we build this. I, I work from the basement of my house. We built a couple of, we got a couple of contracts, small contracts and uh, with freelancers. We learned it the hard way about the quality, you know, we went to Transport Canada, they told us, oh, there has to be a S at the end and all these small things, there were so many. So it was, it was a long, long way of learning. And uh, well, this was, so uh, Fox Transition Incorporated in 20, uh, in uh, 1998, became a corporation. We hired the first project coordinator and um, the slowly, it was all learning. And, and as it is up to this date, learning and knowledge and never ending learning. There is so much knowledge, uh, uh, you know, I try to make sure that every, every week at least one webinar, one presentation I, I, I watch because the learning never ends and the, the, the development, evolution in the transition industry is so, is so uh, multifaceted, goes so many directions and it's so, and, and all these new software, new programs, new approaches. Um, so yeah, so later we implemented, started using the, 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 the technology, uh, revision, uh, quality control, and uh, and so on and so forth. <laughs> it's a 22 years old uh, story, <laughs> or long, I should say. There is so many to unpack here. This is fascinating. You know, right. from immigrating to this country and uh, starting a business, working first and starting a business later and building what you built. And I see there's a lot of uh, commonalities or similarities between you and me. As you know, I'm an immigrant as well. Right. Uh, and I immigrated to the country, you know, fascinating enough, I immigrated to the country in 1990. It's pretty much the same time. Wow, the same year. You, yeah, same, same year when you arrived to the country. Right. And, you know, I um, did the same thing. I, you know, I did not, um, you know, have the, um, uh, the opportunity yet to build a company such as what you did. But I ventured into what do I do? I mean, you come new to the country and you're trying to figure things out. I was young at the time. And um, and I had to figure things out and we all figure things out and we all get to where we want to go. But the fascinating part about uh, the what you've done is you've learned the uh, from working with uh, a what and, you know, the, the government and you worked with um, um, translating things in your mother tongue first. And then you learned to translate to the official languages in uh, in the country. And throughout, you know, you've, you've mentioned that the company has been around for 22 years. So throughout all this, there's a lot of changes. I mean, many things have changed in our industry, as, as, you, as you're well aware. Technology have changed um, and uh, customer expectations has changed. You mentioned earlier, like customers, the way they used to buy translation services back in the days is not the way, the way they buy translation services right now. I think, and you agree with this, is the customer is a lot more educated now and knows exactly how to buy translation services. So what, what, what is your remarks on 
technology changes A, and how do you and your staff and your company have adapted to this? And what was the challenges that you faced doing so? Right. So for about first 10 years, there was just a plain translation. The only technology was the computer, right? So they have to have a computer and some, some uh, spell checking, some quality checking, automatic Microsoft Word or something. So the technology came to us later. Mm -hmm. uh, so we started with the, well, huge changes. So we started with the, uh, uh, with the translation management software. So the, these are the main things. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> let me back up a little bit. So yeah, the technology plays a huge role now in, in, the, it, it lasts, in the last seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Um, we use, uh, well, we, we use all the technology that, that most of the others do. The transition management software, the, the business management software, the CAD tools, first of all, the computer assisted translation. Um, and uh, yes, there was an enormous change and the change goes on and, and it's faster and faster and faster. We are looking into the machine translation that we did not uh, fully sign up, sign to yet because we are afraid. It's, it's, it's in relation to the quality. We are afraid that uh, the quality, that we may, may have to compromise on the quality because the machine translation is the machine, right? It's not the, uh, it's not, it's not the human brain. So uh, actually, Coming, maybe I'm going a little bit off your question. When it comes to machine translation, we actually have a statement in every our every proposal that all, all our translations are done by human by that done by human translators and revised by human revisers. But mm -hmm. back to the question, um, uh, translation we need we need to use the we need to use the technology for efficiency for quality. It's it's extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, about about three years ago, four years ago, we implemented Trados Studio, and we have it all across the board. It's on our server, and uh, we have twenty five employees. Everybody's using, everybody's connected to it. I asked uh, first, we we faced the uh, resistance. Mm -hmm. Every you know, new system. Everybody employees resist. Mm -hmm. So, and later, uh, you ask them now. Actually, recently I spoke to them. I asked, so how do you like this? I I, I cannot live without it. I wouldn't be able to work without it. So it's it's an excellent tool, whatever whatever. I mean, I'm talking about the the the, the translation management software. It's an excellent tool, and nobody would. It's it's very very good. Either it's a Trado Studio or MemoQ or 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 whatever else. Yeah. yeah. So so change is hard, right? I mean, you know, you you can attest to that, right? So anybody, uh, it doesn't matter what the job is. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, right. You know, some people would find a transition, uh, sorry, the trans transitioning from one process to another or from one technology to another, any change you introduce in a company, sometimes people, some people find it hard. Some people strive on that. Some people feel like, oh, I want the next challenge. I want to learn a new thing. I want to learn a new tool. But for the most part in our industry, and it's a common theme. I've been talking to a few people over the past few years that have been in the industry as you know, I've been around for 20 years in this industry now, two decades. Uh, I've had a chance to chat to many people. And the same thing always and always ago, it, um, it, it appears in our conversation is that individual, uh, you know, whatever their function happened to be, um, translators, project managers, etc. 
um, once they've, you know, it, it takes time to ad adopt a new technology and it takes time to train on technology and it takes time to believe that this technology can help them in the future do their job a little bit better. <clears throat> and then by the time they learn it, a new version of the software comes in or a new right. tool comes in and then they have to relearn again. So the to embed the idea that, you know, change is part of life, change is part of the function that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Sometimes it's hard for individual to digest that a little bit, right? So do you agree with that? Right. Well, you mentioned the the the, the teaching, the, the the implementing, the, the the presenting it to the staff. Yeah, these are all steps that take a long time, and there's many hurdles, obstacles on the way. Uh, staff, people you work with, naturally resist to change. And mm -hmm. exactly what you said. So this is like an ongoing game. We, we finally uh, overcome all these all these obstacles. And and the new new version comes, so we go all again to it, and so it's it's a it's a game that never it's a perpetual game. It never never ends. Never ends. And so, tell me in your in your world now, like I mean, um, what is the uh, challenging part? What is the most challenging part that you know you're always thinking about? You're always sort of trying to figure out how to solve. What are the most pressing challenges? for you as a business owner, Canadian translation uh, service provider in Canada, in Ottawa, um, you know, Fox translations, what, what is the most challenging items for you on your agenda right now? Well, I think it's across the board as you, as you listen to other LSPs or translators or large companies or small, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's the human resources. Mm -hmm. uh, we, for somebody, and not only in translation, actually, it's it is actually across the business, across the board in the business. This mm -hmm. is the new, but but for us, because the quality is so important, the qualified people are so scarce that uh, it is really the the, um, the 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 problem number one. And what is associated with it is that as technology as technology progresses, there are new uh, there are new requirements for new new professions, so to speak, or semi-new professions, right? So I'm talking about, so the machine translation is coming and uh, even we kind of haven't fully used it yet, but we have to look at it and we are looking into it. And there are the, um, so if we start using machine translation, we, need, we will need a new profession, which will be the, the post editor. Mm -hmm. I don't think translation schools or any, uh, there has to be training for this. this is that this is a very this is a different skill. First of all, not everybody wants to do this. Even the revisers don't want to switch. The translators are afraid that they would lose their jobs, and and they don't want to switch to become post editors. So to answer your question, the, yeah, the main the main and what keeps us up at night is uh, the shortage of qualified <clears throat> translators. Um, and, and yes, and that's the. And what do you think of the, um, uh, I appreciate that, in, uh, and I agree with you, the um, uh, human resources piece is pretty challenging in a changing industry, in a changing environment, you always not, you have to, not, not only you have to change the tools you use, the software you use, but you always have to reskill and retool the individuals themselves to adapt to the new environment. And, and I 100% and I agree with you on, on, on that. And maybe and and you brought up a very good point maybe the skills that we have now are not the skills they're still needed absolutely they're very needed now and are going to be needed in the future but 
the augmentation of volume, the augmentation, the increase of volume, the increase of customers, it's going to force us to perhaps start taking a look at uh, different skills in, de in dealing with these tools. And you mentioned post-editing is one, but you may need, for instance, um, uh, uh, engineering for the machine translation. So somebody to train the machine, somebody to set it up, uh, somebody to customize it. But those different skills than the regular translator or the regular um, uh, post-editor, right? So the right. new technology is going to bring a brand new set of skills that we all going to need. Do you agree right. with that? Yeah. Also, yes. The other thing is uh, the the training and guidance of, of new. It used to be. I remember years ago we just uh, there were translators available to hire. So we advertised the job. Uh, we did testing, you know, some introductory guidance training, and she was ready to go and work. And this is no more the situation. Perhaps here and there. So we're looking at uh, at a new level that we probably have to have to uh, introduce or enter into our process that the ongoing training and uh, and guidance and supervision that before the, the translators were kind of more uh, independent they delivered uh, mm -hmm. good products so now and 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 right and they have new clients or every client has some like something else especially the government mm -hmm. you know, the dnd wants what on the wants uh, uh, plural and uh, different way that that let's say uh, Health Canada or mm -hmm. or some private. So there is there is there is there is so many details. So the training is something that we would have to develop and uh, and, and and create as a part of the whole process. As an important part of the operation. Mm -hmm. You know, this goes back to the fundamentals of our business, for our industry, right? So Vlad, because I, uh, I I'm sure you agree that every customer is different. Every text that we translate within the customer group is different. Uh, it could come from different department, could mean different things. Uh, try to you know, box each process independently. Uh, it's A, it's challenging. And you know, this is where technology can, it can help us versus doing manual. Imagine doing all these processes manually. You know, For HR, I gotta do this. For uh, tech, I gotta do this. For engineer, I gotta do this something else. And all this now right. can be managed uh, via uh, workflow environments, et cetera. So on your side, uh, I think you're, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to get, get to know your company a little bit better. Um, is your customers primarily government or do you do also provide services for enterprise? We do provide services for enterprise, but uh, there is so much work uh, at the government that we are kind of, uh, you know, fell for it. We, we are right here in Ottawa and... Uh, government needs everything has to be translated in both languages right so uh, we uh, we do about 85 percent of our work is for the government mm -hmm. and we, we're thinking of expanding to other services but uh, we are too busy working with the government so we need it's, it's connected we have to find the people That's right. know, so that we can ex so, yeah so it's connected but yeah the the the, uh, the simple answer is that yes we do mostly for government and what was the, you know, when we went through like the COVID uh, lockdown, uh, et cetera. So how did that impact your business? Did you see any changes? Uh, did the business go up, go down? Uh, how, how did you, how did you, you know, uh, deal with this? It actually didn't have any impact. The, the, we worked before that most translators, revisors, even project coordinators worked from home. 
Mm-hmm. We have an office on two floors. We used to have 15 people here. Now we only have four. But, but uh, yeah, no, what I'm saying is most of the people still worked. Uh, before the COVID, they worked from home. During shutdown. Right. Uh, so uh, we have excellent system. We, there's great communication. We everybody talk to everybody about mm. about uh, issues uh, on MS Teams. We meet daily. And uh, to answer your question, I'm going away from your question. Sorry. Uh, we are uh, yes. Uh, we, there was no change. There was no change at all. We actually were very busy. Uh, in March, first month of COVID, there was it was everybody was in shock. Right. There was a huge change. Right. For the whole society, uh, but uh, April and, and on there was uh, business went back to normal. Mm-hmm. There weren't and, very many. Yes. Go, so um, my next question is going to be around um, trying to understand from your point of view. What do you think of the Canadian language industry uh, in general, and where do you see the opportunity and perhaps the challenges going forward from your perspective? Well. I think it's a growing industry. There's an amazing opportunity there. Uh, every, I don't, everybody's growing. Everybody's uh, uh, opportunities are also endless. There is uh, subtitling. There is, uh, there are, there is, uh, there is a technology. I, I was thinking we, we, we needed to, if I may just enter this note, we, we needed to, uh, uh, change a little bit our product, how we use it. So we so we look, we shop for a software, and we like we could actually maybe build a subdivision for the of the company working on translation software. Many companies do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they many translation companies do that. So I see opportunities there, but mm-hmm. enormous growth. Uh, we have indications from the government and private sector, and from statistics from from research companies like CSA mm-hmm. or uh, others. Nimzi, that uh, that the growth, both in public and private sectors, are amazing. So, uh, the companies I know, basically, do well like us, and uh, mm-hmm. we don't see a end to it, unless something happens. I have to agree with you. The uh, industry is com- is is growing, and uh, it's growing because. And I don't know if you agree with me on this statement is because we are now as a as a humanity, as society, uh, we're a lot more interconnected. A many demographics are moving uh, into other demographics area. The ability to communicate is a lot more affordable now. People can communicate in any language they 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 prefer. And the most important factor in in industry sustainability and continuous growth in our industry and I'm talking about it on the Canadian level and an international level and a global level, is that ability to create content. Now, anybody, and, and we're creating a lot more content now. Content is being created and driven by several things. One, and on a government size, side, is that change of policy, change of laws, you know, things are always communicated by the government to the people. So those communications, somebody needs to translate them. And that's that's great. And the other piece is, the ease of creating content, I mean, um, I don't know, um, before ChatGPT and before all this new technology came out, you know, people were creating content because they need to be known, they need to be out there in the market, they need to tell their story, either be it a product, uh, information about a policy, information about a procedure, whatever it is, 
people wanted to get the word out, so they created more content. And long gone the days, right? So I didn't remember this, you know, companies and businesses, they used to operate within their geo geographical area, be it a town, a city, uh, a province, uh, or state. Now what we have is, you know, entrepreneurs are launching companies, but the immediately going from launching the company in the territory they are in to being global. They're not waiting anymore, you know, let me figure out how this works locally so I can take it global. So everybody now, it, it's, um, we shrunk the world in terms of communication, right? So if I create a company in Ottawa or in Toronto, Canada, my customers are not necessarily going to be in Toronto or Ottawa. They're going to be probably in various other countries. So that, that need that created, sorry, that, yeah, that need that created the need for content and develop content in those languages. And I think that will never go away because it's part of business now. It's part of uh, communication A on a public side and on the business side, on the enterprise side, it's absolutely a factor in how much revenue you're going to generate as a business and how much profitability you're going to do. It's well embedded in every process that you need to have language component to your product. It is long gone the days right. where, you know, oh, you know, sorry, you don't speak English or you don't speak the language of the, uh, of the product was initiated. Sorry, you can't buy it. So that's gone now. And now we need to have the people are looking at it a lot differently now. Right. So the content creation is, is the bottom line of everything. Yeah, there's so much more content that has to be communicated in more than one language. Correct. That is language. Right. Correct. Um, so, so tell me, um, I, I noticed, you know, you you said you came to the country initially when we started the conversation, you came to the country and you have a family. So are they working with you in the business? Actually, my son is working with me, my older son. He was two years old when he came. Now he's operations manager. He's working with me. Um, yeah, my, my younger son is not working here, but yes, my son is working here. Yes. So that's the, and how, um, many, how many kids you had? I have two children. I have two sons. Two sons. And they both work with you or just one? Just one. Uh, the just other one, one moved out of the city. The other one moves to Montreal. So if somebody wants to get in the language business and and, and I think we have 18,000 companies around the world according to CSA but let's say <laughs> we need right. to add another one so what would you what would your recommendation would be as to how should I go about it and having you as as a you know an individual who's done it who've learned from it who discovered what works what don't work what would be your advice for somebody who is interested in exploring this industry in terms of investment starting a company, et cetera? Well, I would think that uh, he, she would need uh, to learn about the, uh, everything's understanding in business. We need to understand the nature. So I think it would be good to take at least one, if he's not a linguist, take at least one course in translation, first of all, to understand how difficult the work of a translator is, mm -hmm. uh, how, how, how hard it is to, to, to convey one message of, of a, from one language to the other. And then, of course, uh, the business, uh, the business, uh, some business education is also important before you go further and learn more about the language industry. Well, we are in a very unique place here, as I said earlier, that uh, there is lots of opportunity here. So we need to learn about official languages act, about uh, yeah. So that is uh, yeah. Well, first thing is to to understand to understand the language, to understand the translation. And then some basic business courses. That's what I did, actually. Yeah. Is that what you did? Yes. I went to I went to um, 
Ottawa University and did master's degree in modern languages. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. So that's was this. And then I took some business courses. Government of Canada offered some business courses, uh, basic. I had no clue about business. I was a teacher in Czechoslovakia. So uh, they offered some business courses, which I, which I took for, for about six months to learn basics of business. Double, you know, double entry of accounting. I had no, I had no clue about that. Yeah, I was going to like this. The very, very basics. Yeah, but, the basics of business, which is, you know, I mean, you know, like, uh, and and you bring a very good point. Where if you look around, um, I would say there is a big percentage of individuals who own small to medium size organization companies in our industry that they are they started their life as translators, uh, linguists. Uh, they studied languages. They like the uh, aspect of, you know, being a translator and they ventured into uh, right. starting a business in that, in that, in, in that industry. And so yeah. com com combining, you know, the, um, the uh, language aspect of our profession and the business aspect of our profession, it's a great mix. Right. And I would think that they, they need to be prepared for lifelong learning. Uh, learning is the, is the bottom line of everything. There is always new things coming, uh, com uh, appearing and we have to learn about machine translation now about uh, more how you know so i think the the lifelong learning is the is the bottom line that there's always new things that we have to learn speaking of business talk to me a little bit about sales and marketing for your organization for fox so um we we have i have must admit we are not that strong at at, at marketing because most of our business comes from government. So we participate in uh, public tenders. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, uh, we learned how to write those, those proposals. First of all, first of, of some of the first ones I wrote, and then later we hired a proposal writer and he sent proposals. We, we discuss uh, with, uh, with consultants uh, different uh, marketing strategies because we have to expand. Mm -hmm. the private sector so uh, there are some there are some ideas that we will create a website where we show our attractiveness our for, for employees and for and for and for new clients but uh, i i must say i must admit we still have work to do uh, in term in in terms of marketing uh, to the private to the to the private sector Talk to me a little bit about, you know, it's it's a, it's what we call in Canada, the elephant in the room, right? So the elephant in the room in Canada for all of the uh, language service provider is the prices. So, right. uh, and and I know, um, I know through other conversations that this always comes up. So what, what, what do you think prices are in the industry here in Canada and where do you think they should be? So we have those pressures, the, the employees, and and the uh, and the prices, the, the the good translators expect to be paid fairly, mm -hmm. and the and the clients obviously want to as low as price as possible. I would think that it is a little bit unfair to our to the to to translators. They do such a hard work that uh, they deserve to be paid better. Unfortunately, they can only um, we cannot sell if they. If, if, in order to sell our services, we have to pressure them and negotiate pricing with them. Uh, so uh, it's it's a, it's a huge problem, and um, I think there are 
there are some there are some perhaps we can see signs that perhaps the pricing as the client especially i'm talking about the government see more the value and what they of the of the service they provide that they perhaps are willing to pay a bit high premium for for our services and and um the price discussion will always be around right so um cost of living is up economy is not doing so well absolutely well yeah, that's what it costs yes inflation and you know it, but you know this is where i really don't I personally and i've been you know thinking about this for a while now because i feel like everything in our in our economy prices wise are going up but in our industry every all the prices it seems to be stable to going down which it doesn't make sense i think you know, you would you would expect that the prices would rise when economy when everything else is rising around you. Like when you go to do the basic shopping and the prices are going up, you right. would expect our prices to be going up. But that's going the opposite direction. I feel like, you know, cost of living is going up, and the prices in our industry seems to be either flat or going down. Well, there are market forces, uh, right? That uh, that work that that ignore somehow ignore the the other part of the market do you have any indicate do you have any indications if uh, about the pricing being for our uh you mean for the uh, canadian industry or right for, yeah. yeah i mean for for canadian industry I, I feel like our prices from what i can see i mean i have limited in, limited information on the data but the data that i have access to either flat or down slightly from year prior Absolutely. We are, yeah, I was going to add, yes, uh, to the question about the pricing that uh, we, have, we are, our pricing went down in, the, in, in 2022. It had to go down in order to, be, to remain competitive. Yeah. And um, I feel like, I feel like we can, there's a lot more uh, the industry can do in terms of differentiating its services to a variety of groups, right? So I feel like you know, categorizing our services, as you mentioned earlier, like you in your RFPs or in your proposals, you write, you know, all the uh, services rendered are provided by human. Uh, well, I mean, that's one option. But I think as you start adopting other technology, etc., you probably want to articulate, you know, for this human services is X, for human and machine hybrid, for instance, that's Y, and for pure MT is Z, for instance, and let the customer make that decision. I I feel I feel like the customer needs to make a choice here. Um, there is an old saying in sales: you cannot get it fast, it's cheap, and high quality. You got to pick two out of three. Right. And <laughs> of it's always two out of three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the public uh, the 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 private sector customers are more maybe more flexible. The, the government ones they. They don't give us this option. They say, well, you do it. And the, the price is uh, many times uh, the most important factor, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But yes, we are, we are going that way. Uh, of course, there will be always uh, options. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's the, um, uh, we got a few more minutes here. I uh, want to ask you one last question and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. And what is the uh, projects that most pressing project that you're working on for 2023? And what would you like to see happening for your organization in 2023? What would you make you happy by the end of the year 
if you say we've done it and I'm happy? What would that be? Well, I'm proud to say that uh, we developed the company to uh, that we provided very good quality services. Uh, our, we have excellent advisors and excellent translators. So uh, we are we have many we have many good contracts, and uh, if we deliver the work the way we are delivering now on the on the existing contracts, that I cannot uh, wish for more. Um, what I can wish for that we'll have more uh, qualified personnel working for you that uh, that we find that that we attract we, we create something and I say okay people want to work for Fox translations because they feel they are good employer so that would I would that, that's what I would uh, consider accomplishment um, our customers are happy with our work and uh, there's a lot to maintain that mm-hmm. and, and to make sure that uh, right there's no, that Absolutely. doesn't change. Absolutely. So um, if some of our viewers or listeners wants to reach you out, um, I want to reach out to you. They like uh, this conversation. I want to give you a call or send you an email. Um, I will uh, include your email address in the uh, description of this video once published. So and uh, and your website uh, for those. Uh, who are looking to um, find a job in our ling- language industry, they can go to your website and they can, uh, uh, I saw on your website that you, that you're, uh, that you have, a, a, you know, you can, people can apply, etc. So we'll send them there. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I just want to thank you for the great opportunity. And uh, I'm, I'm speaking with you for the second time. I, I don't even remember we had a brief conversation at the one of the conferences. Uh, SLEA, yeah, conferences. Um, well, I think the translation industry is great. It's a great place to work. It's a great opportunity for, for everyone who decides to go there. And I think that, I, that uh, yeah, this well, is- Well, I want to I thank you so much, uh, Vlad, for uh, sharing the coffee with me this morning and this uh, absolutely interesting conversation. I am glad I had the opportunity to have a conversation with you this morning, and um, you're you're a gem in our industry, and and uh, you know I wish you all the best to you and to your uh, company uh, Fox Translations. And the next time I'm in Ottawa, we'll uh, we'll grab lunch together. I appreciate uh, I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate your conversation, oh. and I want to thank our listeners, our viewers, for joining me this morning. This is Robin Ayub and Vlad Fox uh, signing off. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity.